You are listening to the Brooks Snow Podcast, conversations to help you look forward with faith. Faith in yourself, faith in God, and faith in your own mission and purpose. I'm your host, Brooks Snow. You have episode 75, See the Divine Self. You've probably heard the invitation to see others the way God sees them many times before. It's a wonderful aspiration, and yet it can often remain in the abstract. How do you actually do this? <laughs> How do you see anyone, yourself, your family, your friends, and ultimately all of humanity with God's eyes? Sometimes this is easier said than done, especially when we find ourselves in relationships or moments of challenge where love can be most difficult. In today's podcast, I am excited to talk about what influences the way we see and how we can change who we see in a very practical way. And for the first time ever, I have included with this episode a guided meditation as my own gift to you in making this a deeper reality in your own life. If you enjoy this podcast, I know you would love my book, Living in Your True Identity. It's available in Deseret Book Stores and online at Amazon.com. It's filled with 21 tools to help you live life as the best version of yourself. Thank you to all of you who have left a review for this podcast or you've taken the time to share it with a friend. Your reviews and your shares is what makes this podcast possible. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Today's review of the week comes from Hey There B. She says, I have recently been faced with an upcoming divorce after 13 years of marriage. Your words and positive messages are giving me strength when I need it most. I am striving to live in my true identity as a worthy daughter of God. Your messages are giving me light and life during the darkest trial of my life. I am finding my purpose in life after years of putting myself last. I am confident in who I am and what I deserve as I learn about self-care. I am starting your book and I'm just starting your meditation course. I can't wait for the future and all of the blessings and good that will come my way. Thank you for your positive perspective on life and helping to brighten my days and give me hope. I know that hope truly comes from my Savior, Jesus Christ, and you bring that to remembrance for me daily as I listen to your words. I appreciate you so much, and thank you for always cheering me on. Hey there, B. Thank you. Thank you so much for your review, and I'm sending you lots of love during this great challenge that you're in. I am so impressed with the way that you are navigating your thoughts and your life during this new transition. You speak with the words of someone who is a creator of their life and not a victim to the circumstances. I love that you are prioritizing your self-care and the gospel so you have the personal strength you need to make amazing choices and create a bright future and also a bright current reality. Keep going forward with faith. You are doing amazing. If you want to be the reviewer of the week, please leave me a five-star review in iTunes and share your favorite takeaway so far. Your ratings and your reviews and your shares, that is what makes this podcast possible. So thank you so much for listening and for sharing. One of the common challenges of life is how we see and treat one another. We have struggled with this since the beginning of time. <laughs> we struggle with this in our families, in our communities, and even within our own self. These issues are not new, and they aren't confined to specific cultures or race. We struggle in how we see ourselves, let alone the other members of our family and beyond. 
As someone who has spent an extensive amount of time researching and writing on the topic of identity, I am convinced that identity is the root of all that is good in relationships and all that is bad. When we truly see ourselves and others in truth, we interact in love and patience and respect. When we see each other in distortion with judgment and stories, we interact with conflict and resistance. It all comes down to how you see. Or maybe better put, it comes down to who you see. As I teach in my book, Living in Your True Identity, every one of us actually has two identities. One is true and one is false. Your true identity, scripture refers to as your divine nature. This is the pure divine self that God created you to be. This is your divine spirit. Your false identity, scripture refers to as the natural man or the flesh. Psychology refers to this identity as the ego. (laughs) You really do have two identities. There is opposition in all things. One is true and one is false. When you live your life in your true identity, you live with the characteristics of God. You live from a place of love and respect and joy. When you live your life in your false identity, you live from a place of pride, comparison, fear, tension, anxiety, separateness, the need to be right, and the need to control. Not only does the identity in which you live influence how you see yourself, this is the single most contributing factor to influencing how you see others. The moment you step into your faults, natural man identity, you begin to view others in a false way as well. Now I have to confess here, choosing which identity to live in is not a once and done choice. (laughs) This is a moment to moment choice. This is a choice I often make several times a day. In fact, in my mentoring program, the very first tool that we learn is what I call flip the switch. (laughs) Whenever we notice that we are not in our true self, we flip the switch from the false self back to the true self. For us, it really can be as simple as physically taking a deep inhale of breath and mentally we flip the switch back into our true self. (laughs) The goal is to stay here in our true self as long as possible. And if we slip out again, how fast can I flip the switch back to the true identity? Working on this for ourself is really important. It is the foundation to progress in every aspect of our life. When we live in our true identity, we see ourselves in truth. And when we live in our true identity, we see others in truth. When we live in the false identity, we see ourselves in great distortion. When we live in our false identity, we see others in great distortion as well. When I was a teenager, like many girls, I had a completely distorted view of who I was, especially in how I saw my body. I always felt fat, and I imagined that everyone was judging me and my body. I looked in the mirror, and I saw every flaw. One year, I decided to take matters into my own hands, and I created my own fanatical diet. (laughs) That summer, I lost 50 pounds. I didn't have anorexia, but it would have qualified as an eating disorder. 
My parents checked me into a doctor. They were concerned with my rapid and alarming weight loss, and they informed the doctor, unbeknownst to me, of what was going on. He gave me what I understood was just a routine physical, and then he sat me down and he told me that if I lost 10 more pounds, he would put me in the hospital. Now, (laughs) instead of me hearing a warning in his words, I interpreted him to mean that I still had 10 more pounds to lose. (laughs) The next year, I struggled with trying to fit myself into this distorted expectation that had been created in my mind. I'll never forget a distinct day at school. I was in my all-girls gym class, and for some reason, the teacher decided it would be a good idea for all of us girls to measure our bodies together. (laughs) Now, I'm sure her intentions were simply for us to get an idea of what our measurements were at the beginning of the year and in the coming months to see if we lost inches as we gained muscle. But really, (laughs) a room full of insecure teenage girls who were supposed to pair up and measure each other, it was a disaster waiting to happen, even if it was a silent battle just fought in the mind. I was dreading every part of this experience. While we were measuring each other, the wrestling coach happened to walk into the gym. He was just taking a little shortcut on his way to somewhere else that he was going. And one girl was suddenly struck with the idea of how funny it would be to measure the coach's body. So he paused and he went along with it in good humor. Now, let me just say, the wrestling coach was a massive man. (laughs) Not so much in stature, but in girth. He was about as wide as he was tall And he reminded me of a miniature Paul Bunyan. Everything about him was stout and heavy and large. You can imagine my horror when the girl called out the coach's calf circumference that she had just measured. (laughs) And I realized that my calves were two whole inches larger than the coach. I was mortified. I was so embarrassed that my partner, who had just measured my legs, knew that my legs were bigger than the wrestling coach. I was already insecure about my stocky legs, but in an instant, they grew to ginormous size in my imagination. Years later, I remember coming across an article on eating disorders, and it showed an illustration of a skinny girl looking into a mirror, and all she sees is a reflection of someone who is fat. This is called body dysmorphia when we see ourselves with really great distortion. And I recalled looking at this image, I recalled that moment in gym class, and I knew that was exactly what had happened when I discovered that my calves were larger than the coach. In reality, I was a normal-sized girl with muscular calves, and the coach was this massive man who happened to have very small calves. (laughs) But everything got mixed up in my mind, and I only saw the distorted image. These distortions aren't limited to body image or self-image. We tend to create all sorts of distortions of how we see other people. It's the classic moat and beam parable that Jesus warns us about. One difficult interaction with another person 
and I can instantly paint her into being someone she's not. Even in my own family, I can easily keep an unconscious tally of the minor annoyances of my children or husband and paint that into the identity of who I see them to be. Worse yet, I can hold family, friends, or individuals accountable for past offenses or wrong choices and subconsciously define them with these labels and stories. Just like me looking in the mirror and seeing a distorted image of myself, I can do the same for others. I can create a distorted image of who I think they are, and I can shine it back on them. Have you ever done this? Have you ever struggled with how you see yourself or how you see someone else? Have you ever judged anyone for their choices and labeled them? Have you ever had an altercation with someone and you've let it define and shape who you believe that person to be? As parents, we have repeatedly tried to teach our kids that there is a difference between identity and choices. I don't want to shame my kids into better behavior. I want to raise kids who are confident in who they are. I want to raise kids who learn from their mistakes instead of kids who become defined by their mistakes. Brene Brown, in her groundbreaking TEDx talk on shame, she teaches this principle. She says, shame is a focus on self. Guilt is a focus on behavior. Shame is, I am bad. Guilt is... I did something bad. In essence, shame fosters a distorted identity intentionally to tie someone's behavior to who they are. So to avoid this, my husband and I, we consciously correct our kids saying, you are good, but your choice was bad. You are not your choices, but you still must learn from them. Now, this is something I'm aware of on one level, and yet... I can quickly forget the next second and find myself viewing someone through the lens of their behavior, especially my kids. I can be quick to forget because I can be quick to go into my false identity. The moment I go into my false identity, I no longer see with divine eyes. Understanding the fundamental truth that we have two identities is crucial to moving out of these patterns and incrementally freeing ourselves from the dichotomy of who we really are as divine beings and the false self we can fall into in moments of weakness. We must first see this duality in ourselves and learn how to be redeemed back into our true self. And then we must learn to see it in others and learn how to redeem the way that we see each other. How do you do this? How do you do this? (laughs) Sometimes the way we have seen someone is so ingrained and practiced. It can be difficult to see someone who is repeatedly unkind as a divine person. It can be hard to see someone who is annoying and irritating as a divine person. I will offer that it is not only hard, but it is impossible to see the divine in others when we are not in our own divine identity ourselves. To see with divine eyes, we must be in our true self. Years ago, I worked as a professional photographer, and I studied with a world-renowned wedding photographer. He believed that everyone was photogenic, and he had a natural ability to capture any person in the most beautiful, loving way. 
expressions of joy and love and softness and intimate connection filled his portfolio. He could make any person look beautiful because he had a gift for bringing out their true self. And guess what? (laughs) The true self is a beautiful look on everyone. People say they're not photogenic, but instead of relaxing and joyfully showing their divine self that comes out in those moments that you're with those that you love and trust, they instead put up a wall when a stranger with a camera comes around. (laughs) So the point of this photographer's class was to teach us as photographers how to bring out this true self in those we photographed. There were a few tips and tricks he taught us that helped increase the emotional response that we could elicit from people. But the most important thing he taught us was how to build trust. In order for someone to show you their true self, you must see it first. He said to us, if you see someone through the lens of judgment, stereotype, or labels, then they will subconsciously feel it. You must love them for them to trust you with such a gift. I admit it was kind of surreal to be in a photography course and have my very secular-minded instructor teaching us that we had to love the people in front of the camera if we wanted them to show us who they really were. But then he addressed the elephant in the room. What do you do if you don't love them? (laughs) What if you hardly know them? What if you just met them five minutes before their photo session? (laughs) Ironically, first impressions are often full of stereotypes and judgments. So how do you deal with this? How do you love people who are difficult? How do you look past stereotypes that we are all so quick to make? How do you see someone for who they really are? How can we move past our own distortions of self and others. For surely the reason that we have such drama in any relationship has everything to do with how we see someone. Jesus perfectly taught this struggle in the parable of the mote and beam. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? I was recently looking at this scripture and I'm like, I want to know what it says, how this is translated in the NIV translation of the Bible. And I loved the increased imagery that it provides here. The NIV version says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Lowe's quote. (laughs) Jesus shows us the great distortion that happens in how we see each other, and he clearly gives us the place to start. Remove the plank or remove the beam from your own eye first. In other words, flip the switch. Be in your true identity if you hope to see others clearly. It starts with you. You must first be in your own divine self to see the divine in others. So how do we see this divine self? How do we see ourselves or others as God does? 
This is a common standard that we preach and aspire to. The thought is inspiring, and yet it can also often remain abstract. How do I actually make this practical? How do I see the way God sees? Similar to all of us students in the photography class, we were curious to know how to love someone that we were photographing. The photographer's response to this very dilemma was really surprising. He said, if you struggle feeling love for someone, then imagine them as a little baby. Imagine them as they came into the world, pure, free, innocent. They could do nothing wrong. And surely their mother loved them. Imagine what she must have felt for them as a tiny little baby. This little exercise was a remarkable way to quickly move into seeing someone differently. It allowed us as photographers to connect on a spiritual level with those we worked with so they could feel safe in being who they really were in front of the camera. This exercise is applicable in every moment of life and in every interaction. I quickly learned to make this a habit with photography sessions But to be honest, it was a lot harder to recall in the everyday moments that I wasn't giving 100% focus to creating loving interactions that I could capture on film. Years later, I found myself struggling in a family relationship. Every interaction with this person caused me dread and anxiety. I was so convinced of my story that this person didn't love me, didn't approve of me, or didn't even like me that I would turn into this weird deflated version of myself when we were together. Basically, I was in my false self. One day it dawned on me that I had a moat and beam problem. (laughs) I needed to learn to see her differently. And to start, I needed to take the beam out of my own eye and see myself differently too. How do I do this? It should come as no surprise that I made this a focus in my daily meditations. One reason that I love meditation so much is that it gives me an opportunity to practice what I'm working on in a safe space. It gives me an opportunity to spiritually create what I'm working on. So when the time comes to create it physically, I'm in a much better position to create something better. In this case, I needed to spiritually create a better relationship, and I needed to practice seeing this person the way God sees this person. I could just wait to practice in person with those very uncomfortable interactions, (laughs) but I have learned that this is the harder way to improve. It's sort of like a pop quiz in school versus coming prepared to a test that you have studied for and practiced over and over again with a master teacher. Which way would you rather have your tests? (laughs) Which one do you think you'll do better on? Meditation is my way of practicing with my master teacher. I improve a whole lot faster this way than I do in just saying a fast prayer moments before the test comes, like that pop quiz, like just waiting for those in-person interaction moments. To see the divine self, you must move from seeing with distortion into seeing truth. And oftentimes, this is a transition. We tend to carry a lot of baggage in how we see. 
we cover up the divine self with labels, judgments, criticisms, stories. The pure divine spirit figuratively becomes laden down with all sorts of layers. It's as if the divine self gets covered up by a cloak and a mask and costumes and baggage and a backpack of bricks and any other burden that we add to the mix that hides who is really there. Seeing the divine self will require removing these layers to reveal the glory of who truly exists at the center. I had a client who was struggling with how she saw her son. So we went through a little guided meditation together, carefully removing the labels, the judgments, the stereotypes, the behaviors, the paradigms, the past mistakes, the hurtful words, the misunderstandings. And one by one took those burdens and caricatures off until nothing was left but the true spirit of her son. I will never forget her response to this rather quick visual. She gasped and she said, he's amazing. He is such an amazing person. To see as God sees requires us to see a person free from all that weighs them down. I must see this person in his or her freedom, free from fear, free from anxiety, free from addiction, free from bad choices, free from anger, free from childhood trauma, free from selfishness, free from boasting, free from disease, free from a closed mind, free from a closed heart, free from worry, free from limited beliefs, free from abuse, free from depression, free from delusion, free from disability, free from betrayal, free from sin, free from pain, free from suffering. In this freedom lies the truth. The truth of who you are, the truth of who she is, the truth of who he is. What does that freedom look like? Can you see how she looks when you free her from all that hides her true self? There was a moment long ago when she was free of everything. In the delightful gaze and wonder as a new infant, she entered this world free. Is she not the same person? To see one another in freedom is to see the way God sees. The very act of the atonement of Jesus Christ was an act of freedom. In Alma chapter 7, verses 11 through 12, we read, And he shall go forth, suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. And this that the word might be fulfilled, which saith he will take upon him the pains, the sicknesses of his people. And he will take upon him death, that he may loose the bands of death, which bind his people. And he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy, according to the flesh, that he may know, according to the flesh, how to succor his people according to their infirmities. Jesus Christ took upon him every sin, pain, sickness, and infirmity for you and for me, so we could be free. Surely he saw us in our freedom. He was willing to take everything that covers the true divine self so we could be free. Surely this vision of who we really, truly are, free from all that binds us in this life, moved him 
to fulfill his divine sacrifice. He saw the divine self so we could see the divine self. At the heart of redemption is how we see. This is why the LDS Bible Dictionary defines repentance as a new view of yourself, God, and the world. You see with fresh eyes. You see without the beams, without the distortions, without the labels and baggage that we pile upon ourselves and others when we live in our false identity. Is there anyone in your life that you could benefit from seeing with a new view? How could seeing someone in their divine self improve your relationship? Could it improve your relationship with yourself, your spouse, in-laws, your parents, your children, your community, the world at large? As I mentioned earlier, I have had relationships in my life that have been a real struggle for me to see the divine in someone else. Practicing in meditation how to see by removing all that covers the divine self has been an important part of improving those relationships. To begin with, this is a visual meditation that I did for myself. I'd imagine removing all the layers I had upon me. <laughs> I would take off my own judgments, criticisms, labels, past mistakes, and even the accomplishments and the strengths. Who am I really without all of those things? I'm just Brooke, the divine spirit daughter of God. I then practiced this visually with individual people that I was struggling to see. Who were they if I could take off all the layers and the baggage that kept their true self hidden from my view? I'll never forget, only a week into doing this meditation consistently just for myself, I was driving my son to school. And it was in the dead of winter. It was icy cold. And I saw a middle-aged man outside shoveling his walk. He had a dirty flannel shirt unbuttoned to reveal his bare chest a cigarette hanging out the side of his mouth, and the visible weight of the world pressing down upon him, making a very heavy posture. And immediately I began to pity him and to feel sorry for him. I thought, what a hard life he must live. And then to my sheer surprise, in a flash in my mind, the cigarette was gone. The dirty clothes were gone. The sad posture was gone. All the layers of how I was seeing this man were instantly gone until in my mind's eye, I just saw the pure and perfect spirit of who he really is. I was stunned at that instant love that I felt for this stranger. I was stunned at how the practice of consistently visualizing myself, removing all the layers of baggage was now showing up in how I was seeing other people. There was no judgment. There was no barriers and pride and segregation. There was unity. I saw how we were the same, how we were connected. He was my brother. I saw his divine self. There is much struggle that's happening in the world right now in how we see each other. This is not a new struggle. It is the classic struggle of humanity. It's a struggle of seeing who is true and who is false. Every person has a true self and every person has a false self. When we train ourselves to see the true divine self within, we are on the path to progress. See 
the divine self. Sometimes we do a whole lot of talking about changing the image of how we see someone, but actually making it practical never happens. (laughs) Each of us has someone in our life that we could see with more divinity, whether that be yourself, a family member, a friend, or any other individual. Typically, my podcasts are more informational. And I know I've already gone longer today, but if it's okay with you, I would love to make this a special episode that is more experiential. I talk about meditation. I often, I describe the visuals that I use in meditation. But what if we actually did a meditation together? Would that be okay with you? (laughs) Would you like to experience what this is like for yourself? If you're listening to this right now and you're doing other things, you can either pause and find a quiet space to do the meditation, or you can keep listening and just make a note to do this meditation again later without distraction. This meditation is going to focus on seeing yourself the way God sees you. Though it can also easily be adapted to use for any person that you are struggling to see right now. As always, how you see starts with how you see yourself. So are you ready to try this out? Let's meditate. Welcome to the See the Divine Self Meditation. I invite you to sit now in a comfortable position. Make sure your back is straight. You can gently rest your hands in an open and receiving position in your lap. Palms up. If it's safe to do so, you can close your eyes. And let's begin with a deep inhale through the nose. And exhale through the nose. Inhale through the nose. And exhale through the nose. Inhale, light and love. And exhale any stress, tension, worry, or concern. Continue breathing deeply on your own, in and out through the nose. Just notice how your body feels. Observe your breathing as it gently comes in and gently comes out of your body. I invite you to bring to your mind an image of yourself and the desire to see the way God sees. Just allow this image of yourself to appear in your mind without judgment. Some people are visual and others are more logical. However your own imagination works is perfect for you. Whether you easily see an image or you simply hold the ideas in your mind, there's no right or wrong way. When you have this image of yourself in your mind, simply observe what you see. Do you notice any baggage or burdens that you may be carrying? Sometimes our true self gets all covered up with judgment, expectations, labels, perceptions. Some good, some not. It's part of the human experience to take on these unnecessary ornaments but we don't have to keep them. Really, we're much happier without them. Can you see your divine self within? Even if you don't see this divine self right now, all things are possible with God. 
Perhaps you feel inspired to invite the Lord to be with you and helping you remove the layers in how you see. you to imagine in your mind a slight breeze blowing. Every item you remove will easily and freely blow away in the breeze. You can just let it go and it will float away. The first thing you can remove is labels. All the labels that you have applied to yourself or labels that others have applied to you They may be labels that you like, or maybe you don't like. Take them off. As you take them off, let them go and watch them blow easily and quickly away in the breeze. Next, you can take off expectation. Remove the expectations that you have for yourself or that others have for you. Let them go. Watch them float easily and quickly away in the breeze. Now we can take off pride. Remember, there are two kinds of pride. Pride from the top looking down, and pride from the bottom looking up. Pride is in the comparison. Pride from the top looking down includes all the things you believe make you better than other people. Achievements, success, talents, traits, goals. Let them go. Watch them float easily and quickly away in the breeze. If at any time you find something particularly hard to let go, you can always ask for help. You can ask God to help you release it and let it go. Next, you can take off pride from the bottom looking up. All the things you believe make you less than other people. The struggles, the weakness, the challenges, the mistakes, not being enough. Let them go. Watch them easily and quickly blow away in the breeze. You're letting all things go. You don't need them anymore. You don't need to carry them anymore. You don't need them as part of your identity anymore. Is there anything else that you're carrying? Perhaps there are circumstances and trials that weigh you down. Take them off and let them go. Watch them quickly and easily flow away in the breeze and let them go. Continue to take every burden off and let it go until you have nothing left. It's all gone. It's flowing quickly away until every last thing that is left 
is you. The true you. What is it like to be freer and lighter? It's just you. Your true self. Unencumbered by any judgments, labels, thoughts, burdens. It's just you. The amazing creation of God himself. This is exactly how he sees you. And exactly how he loves you. God always sees through layers. He sees the perfect one he created. There will always be room to grow and develop and things to improve. Life is all about growing. And God will help you do so. You can do this much better now that you are light and free. You can stay here in the space for as long as you like. Notice how you feel. Notice the calm, the freedom, the love, the goodness, the hope. You are capable of all things in this space. For you are one with God. You are divine. You are truth. Take a deep inhale through the nose, filling your body with light, and exhale in gratitude for seeing the divine. Inhale light and love, and exhale gratitude and love. Smile and open your eyes. It's going to be a glorious day.